Okay, good evening. Welcome to our evening Dhamma. Tonight we're looking at the fourth noble truth. And I think this gives us a, a good point to segue into a second list, which uh, is, of course, the Eightfold Noble Path. The, the fourth noble truth has eight parts. And because it's another list, we could uh, do one truth, uh, one path factor every night. Start doing series is and get into our second series. The thing about the Buddha's teaching is it all connects. I mean, none of these things are really, really real. Um, and so it's not like we're putting, I mean, many of, the, many of them are not, sorry, the, many of these constructs are not real, not all of them, some are real. But uh, the construct of the Eightfold Noble Path is is one construct, and so um, it's, it becomes quite complicated. Everything sort of melds into each other. So the the fourth noble truth is actually the eightfold noble path. But the first noble truth is knowledge of the, or the first factor of the eightfold noble path is knowledge of the four noble truths. Uh, so it, everything connects together because they're concepts and. So it might seem quite complicated at times. It's important to understand that it's not—it's not really describing ultimate reality in many cases. These are constructs that the Buddha put together. So when we talk about the Eightfold Noble Path, we're talking about um, a means of organizing reality and organizing experience, and more importantly, directing it into a, a way. Um, we're describing reality in, in the the essential aspects of um, those experiences that incline towards peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering. That we call the way. So tonight I'll just talk about the way in general, and then I'll I'll give a short description of each of the eight fact eight path factors. One per night. So uh, the f we have the Four Noble Truths are laid out in terms of effect, cause, effect, cause. So suffering is the effect, craving is the cause. Cessation of suffering is the effect, the path to the cessation of suffering is the cause. Um, roughly speaking, I mean, it's the the path is that which leads to cessation of suffering. It's not actually the cause because cessation can't be caused, but uh, it it's what leads to the cessation experience. It's what causes the experience of cessation, you might say. The first thing to know, to know about the, the way on the path is to understand that it, how it, how it, what sort of a path it is, how it functions as a path. 
When you think of a path, of course, a path is something that leads to a, a place, not where you are. Um, and so we kind of think of it as going somewhere, at least in a symbolic way. Buddhism isn't a path in the sense of the, like the path to heaven. Right? When we think of religious paths, we're usually thinking of this, how to go somewhere else. How to get out of this place So we talk about getting out of samsara And it becomes this sort of idea Of here's samsara, nibbana is, is outside of it Like in the same way that heaven is outside of earth But it's not really like that um, The way is much more like a way of life it's a way of living your life rather than going somewhere it's not, it's not like a way to New York City It's a way to live And so when we think about the way It's important to remember what is it a way towards It's a way to freedom from suffering We're talking about the suffering that we have And when we talk about the way What we mean is the means to become free from that When you practice according to this way your suffering ceases I mean it, it becomes reduced And knowledge and understanding About suffering comes about And eventually there's a cessation Of suffering That's what it leads to But it doesn't go anywhere else It doesn't happen somewhere else It doesn't lead you somewhere else The cessation happens right here And, and it's the mind not going anywhere It's when the mind stops going The Buddha talked about the Eightfold Noble Path as the the essence. He said, uh, in whatever religion, it's one of the last things he said. Apparently, in whatever whatever teaching, whatever dispensation that you find the Eightfold Noble Path, uh, in that religion you will find Sotapanna, Sakadagami, Anagami, and Arahant. You will find enlightened beings. Whatever. Dispensation does not have the Eightfold Noble Path You will not find enlightened beings This is important It answers the question of, of whether all religions are the same The Buddha was clearly of the opinion that no No, they're, they're quite different We think of religions generally as, as being uh, of a certain of a certain nature So if you think religion is beneficial You think that all religions are beneficial And we tend to lump them together And say all religions teach people to be good It's the corrupt it's the corrupt Or the corruptions of religion That are the problem And then on the other hand If you see that religion is generally corrupt Then you would tend to lump them all together And say all religion is bad Religion is a poison Religion Ruins everything That kind of thing But it's the, Both of these Both of these are Very simplistic ways of looking And it's It has a lot more to do with Our um, Our Sort of Our desire to simplify Right Kind of, a, you might say laziness. It's not the word I'm looking for, but we just don't have the 
energy to nuance our understanding of religion I mean it's it's much simpler and harmonious for us to just say hey you are of a different religion well that's okay because we know that all religions are good and basically the same and that's fine I mean I think that's actually positive in a in a in a worldly sense we accept that people's beliefs are their own and in a general sense it's what allows them to be um, social and and connected to a sense of of purpose and um, a sense of norm normalcy so in a general sort of societal sense that's fine we get along with all religions I think that's a good thing it's very useful anyway for people living in the world but when we talk about the truth you know we have to call a spade a spade and all religions are very different some more similar than others I mean most religions deal with God and so they tend to be fairly similar God being somehow omnipotent but even that you know even take Christianity or, or Islam Many different Christians think many different things about God. Buddhism is a specifically a religion of the Eightfold Noble Path. That's what it is. It's nothing more. Anything else is perhaps useful and helpful, but ultimately ancillary, auxiliary, or even superfluous. If it falls outside of the Eightfold Noble Path, then it's one of two things. It's either contrary to Buddhism or it's superfluous, un unnecessary, unessential to Buddhism. Right? So there are things that are outside of the noble Eightfold Noble Path, like charity. You might say charity doesn't actually fall in the Eightfold Noble Path, but charity is quite useful. If you're a charitable, kind person, it certainly helps cultivate the Eightfold Noble Path so it's a good thing you might say study of, of Buddhism is, doesn't fall in the Eightfold Noble Path etc many things, many aspects of religious activity even monasticism you might say anyway when we talk about the, the Eightfold Noble Path there are uh, there are two paths so it's important to understand what we mean by the eightfold noble path in buddhism there are two paths and this is the sort of the orthodox understanding there's what's called the pubanga maga and the arya maga the pubanga maga is is mundane all of us are practicing the Pubanga Maga. Every time we meditate, we're on the Pubanga. Pubanga Anga means um, belonging to, and Puba means uh, prior or preliminary. So the Pubanga is that which comes before, that which leads up to the Eightfold Noble Path. You can think of it like the preparation or the training, right? Where or like what we're working up to is like when you rub two sticks together for fire the moment that it sparks then you're on the path 
up until that point you're on the preliminary path so when we talk about the noble eightfold path we're actually just talking about this moment when you are on the path when you're 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 following the way and and because that moment is the moment before nibbana it's truly the path because it's truly what causes nibbana up until that point we don't know if we're going to get to nibbana and you practice for days and days on end still not sure you still can't say well this path is going to lead me to Nibbana. Well, maybe not. Maybe you stop early. Maybe something gets in your way. So it's preliminary. It's not yet noble. You can't yet say this is what this is what causes one to realize Nibbana. Because it doesn't yet. It's leading towards it. And so it's it's important. It's necessary. But it's called the Pubanga Maga. And that, that, that still involves the Eightfold Noble, the eight, the eight Path Factors. So these Eight Path Factors are preliminary. They have a preliminary aspect, and they have a Noble aspect. I hope that's not too confusing, but uh, it means when we talk about cultivating right view and right thought and so on and so on, we usually mean in a mundane sense. Um, and so when we normally talk about the Eightfold Path, we're normally not talking about the Noble Eightfold Path, we're talking about the Preliminary Path. Okay, so the path, the path has eight factors. There's um, different ideas about, even the Buddha proposes different ideas about how these eight factors interact. I'm not going to go into detail, I don't want these talks to be... You know, this is just simple stuff. If you want more detail, there's lots of books written about this sort of thing. But um, you know, there's the idea that it goes in order. So you can say, "Hey, you need right view first, and it leads to right thought, and it leads to, and so on and so on." And they even add the Buddha even adds two on the end. He says, "Well, right concentration will lead to right knowledge, which leads to right samavimutti, which is right liberation." Uh, and then there's the idea that it goes in a circle. So when you get right view all the way down to right concentration, well, right concentration, when you're focused, cultivates right view. And so you see, well, it's actually a circle. And then there are small circles, like these three go together and, and they work. These two support these, this one and so on. The path factors working together. And you can make it quite complicated. Um, so I think understanding these two different paths is important In the preliminary stage You are working on the factors individually Some factors you focus on more at different times uh, you, Mostly we try to focus on mindfulness It's really the most important But, you know, right view Sometimes studying will help clarify your view Asking questions will help to purify your view Practicing loving-kindness will help to purify your thought and so on Right livelihood is something When we talk about right livelihood, we're normally talking about the preliminary path Okay, so I'm in wrong livelihood, I have to change my livelihood But when it comes to the final on the path All that it means is that You're in the perfect state of mind your being, your essence is is perfect. I mean, a person can can go from being a murderer, a liar, a cheat, theoretically, 
quite quickly to, to practicing the Eightfold Noble Path. It's not likely, but it's certainly possible. Um, because it's it's actually just, you know, the path is actually, it's just a mind state. And so when we talk about these eight factors, um, normally we're talking about working on them in a mundane sense. But when we talk about the Eightfold Noble Path, what we mean is when every aspect of our being is perfect, and usually that comes from years and years, or, or at least day, days or weeks, of, of working on them individually and, and putting them all together. Um, but it doesn't have to. It just means that in that moment, we have no inclination towards wrong view, and so we have nothing in us that is wrong in any way. So I'll go through eight, I'll go through all eight of these um, one by one, see how much I don't know if I'll be able to talk a lot about them, but hopefully I'll have enough to give a talk for each of them. Um, the last thing I'll say tonight about the Eightfold Noble Path is that um, it's it's basically organized into three parts, and many of you are probably aware of this, but. If you want to simply understand the Eightfold Noble Path, we understand it in terms of morality, concentration, and wisdom. And and I think this is probably the best way of, of organizing it. You put morality first. Um, I mean, this is the orthodox way of doing it. So the Eightfold Noble Path has right view at the beginning, and that's because it kind of works in a circle. Well, you need right view to really have right morality. But to start off on the path... The best place to start is morality, you know. Because what's gonna what's gonna allow you to see things clearly is moral and ethical behavior. When you stop doing, all you know, chasing after all the things that distract you and that that sully the mind. And so we, when we study the Visuddhimagga, this is where he starts. He starts with morality. Have, because we have the Buddha's word, sile patitaya, established on morality. Chittang panyancha bhavayang, and then develops concentration and wisdom based on the morality. So the, the first two factors are wisdom, right, right view and right thought. Those are the wisdom ones. But they actually come at the end, really. In an ultimate sense, they're 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 the goal, and they come when you're focused, when your mind is is focused clearly. And so the focus aspects are right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And those, of course, you can only be focused when you have morality. So those come from right morality, which is uh, right speech, right action, and right livelihood. Right. So it starts with right speech, right action, and like li li right livelihood. You put those together, and you'll start to become focused. And as you're focused, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, or right focus, these arise, and, and then you start to see clearly. And once you start to see clearly, there will be right thought, and ultimately right view. This is the path. This is Buddhism, really. It's the core. It's the core, the heart of when we talk about what do we do as Buddhists. 
it's really not much, you know. It's hard, it's sometimes easy to get lost. You read too much, read so much that you can't really describe Buddhism. It's quite simple. We all knew, know this. There's the Eightfold Noble Path. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the Four Noble Truths. Don't lose sight of the Eightfold Noble Path. The Eightfold Noble Path is what we do as Buddhists. That's it. Eight things. Simplified, there's only three things. Right, right, my, right morality, right effort. Right morality, right focus, and right wisdom. So that's the path. Uh, in the next days, the next eight days, I guess, I'll try to say something about each factor. I think that'll be good. So that's all for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. I guess if we have questions, I'll take a look. Two questions tonight. Shaking uncontrollably, kind of like when you're about to fall asleep, but I'm wide awake while in meditation. It is an, it's an enjoyable feeling, but I just try to observe it. This is called piti, rapture. Um, it's actually, it's not universal, but it's fairly common. It comes in different forms. Some people rock back and forth. Some people will shake, that kind of thing. Some people feel this uplifting feeling. Some people feel really light. It's many different states. Um, you can tell it to stop. Just say to yourself, stop, and, and shake yourself out of it. That sometimes helps. Um, but otherwise, yeah, just note it. And if you like it, say liking. If you feel happy, say happy. Eventually it'll go away. It's not the path. It's not the way to freedom from suffering. Just It's just another experience that comes and goes. It's impermanent, unsatisfying, uncontrollable. When we meditate, we become very good at controlling ourselves and not overreacting to emotional situations. But how do we know that we are not repressing emotions? Yeah, so we don't try to control ourselves. We try to learn about ourselves. How we know is because we become more familiar with our emotions. And if anger were to arise or greed were to arise, we would understand it. We would not chase after it. We would see it and say, oh, look, here's me getting angry. Until eventually we just don't get angry because the idea of getting angry is, is just silly. We've seen that anger is useless. We've seen it's, it doesn't lead to any benefit. We've stopped hankering after those things that we get angry about or greedy about. So if you're meditating to control your, yourself, that's quite possibly just um, suppressing. And you have to maybe, I mean, that's fine in the beginning, but it's not sustainable in the long term. Eventually you have to open up, let the emotions come up and learn about them and let go of them. Oh, I forgot about the task. Yes. The task associated with the fourth noble truth. Um, so the task associated with the fourth noble truth is ba bhavana, means development. Fourth noble truth is to be developed, bhavetaba. And once you have developed it, then you know it has been developed, bhavitang. Thanks, Fernando. Forgot. 
So the tasks in order then are the first noble truth is to be fully understood. The second noble truth is to be abandoned. The third noble truth is to be experienced for oneself. And the fourth noble truth is to be cultivated, to be developed. The Eightfold Noble Path is to be developed. Okay. So that's all for tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good night.